Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more. Give them a call at johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. By Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. Visit lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. We're going to be talking about the current uh, Supreme Court schedule that for this term and the cases that will be reviewed. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa. He's a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture and author of several books. His latest, How Everything Happened, Including Us. It is... October the 28th, and on this day in 1886, the Statue of Liberty, a gift of friendship from the people of France to the people of the United States, was dedicated in New York Harbor by President Grover Cleveland. Originally known as uh, Liberty Enlightening the World, the statue was proposed by the French historian Eduardo de Libelay to commemorate the Franco-American alliance during the American Revolution. In February 1877, Congress approved the use of a site on the New York Bedloes Island. In May 1884, the statue was completed in France, and three months later, the Americans laid the cornerstone for its pedestal in New York Harbor. In June 1885, the dismantled Statue of Liberty arrived in in the New World, Enclosed in more than 200 packing cases, its copper sheets were reassembled and the last rivet of the monument was lift-fitted on October the 28th, 1886. During a dedication presided over by President Cleveland and attended by numerous French and American dignitaries. In 1903, a bronze plaque mounted in the pedestal's lower level was inscribed with a new colossus, a sonnet by American poet Emma Lazarus, that welcomed immigrants to the United States with the declaration, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these the homeless tempest-tossed to me. Lift my lamp beside the golden door. In 1892, Ellis Island, adjacent to Bedloes Island, opened as the chief entry station for immigrants to the United States, and for the next 32 years, more than 12 million immigrants were welcomed to New York Harbor by the site of Lady Liberty. In 1924, the Statue of Liberty was made a national monument, and in 1956, Bedloes Island was renamed Liberty Island. The statue underwent a major renovation in the 80s. That's the story of the Statue of Liberty and commemorating the alliance between the French and the colonists during the American Revolution. Well, we had 112 cases of COVID-19 reported yesterday with two additional deaths in Collier County. That's more than we like to see. We hope that this is not going to be a trend upward. There are 36 uh, patients in the Collier County Hospital, so we know that the right now the healthcare system is not being overwhelmed. A lot of questions remain. Is this second phase, if it's that, or third? Some saying it's a third phase. Is it as contagious, contagious, number one? But number two, is it as, uh, does it make people as sick as the first phase? Well, Election Day is still six days away, but more than 69 million Americans have already cast their ballots, surpassing an estimated early vote total of about 58 million for 2016. 
The current low, uh, early vote for the 2020 election is more than half of the total votes from 2016. That's a lot. Now, amid the coronavirus pandemic, more states are making it easier to vote early, whether it's by mail or in person, and people are taking advantage of that. But according to Google, Google Trends, searches for can I change my vote have spiked following the second presidential debate and Hunter Biden's laptop scandal. That's so interesting, isn't it? It varies state by state. So you, if you do want to change your vote too, for example, President Trump as opposed to Biden, uh, then you should just uh, check uh, on Google, I suppose, or check with the supervisor of elections. Well, Hunter Biden's former business partner turned whistleblower Tony Bobulinski told Tucker Carlson on his Fox News show yesterday evening that Joe Biden's denials of knowledge or involvement in his son's foreign affairs are a blatant lie. We watched the show. By the way, Hunter, uh, Tucker Carlson is doing just a terrific job. And uh, his show now has the most listened to show on cable news and, uh, with over 5 million listeners or, or viewers. In the episode dedicated entirely to the explosive scandal set exactly one week out from the November general election, the Biden family insider alleged that the former vice president under the Obama administration was aware of Hunter's overseas business deals despite the Democrat nominee's claim to the contrary. During the hour-long interview, the former head of Sinohawk Holdings, which he describes as a partnership between the CEFC China Energy Conglomerate and the Biden family members, pointed to the presumed wheel-and-deal meeting amid the 2017 Milken Institute Global Conference at the Beverly Hilton in Los Angeles. A full video documents Biden's attendance as a keynote speaker. Text messages reveal Hunter personally arranging the meeting with his business associates and his father in May of that year. It was never about Hunter or Jim, Jim being, of course, Jim Biden, uh, Joe's brother. It was about the Biden family, Bobolinsky stated on camera. They wanted me to sit down with their father to understand the Biden family. In a one-on-one discussion, Bobolinsky asked Jim point blank at the Peninsula Hotel about how they were structuring the deals and quote-unquote, getting away with this without placing the Democrat challenger's career at risk, Biden said, plausible deniability, Bob, uh, Bobolinsky said. Of course, pl- plausible di- uh, deniability is the ability or typically senior officials in a formal or informal chain of command to deny responsibility for any damnable actions committed by others in the organization's hierarchy because of a lack of absence of corroborating evidence that confirms the participation. Well, <clears throat> because of this and Bobolinsky's interviews in the laptop, there is no plausible deniability. A voicemail was aired showing that Rob Walker, the spouse of Joe Biden's former top personal White House aide, told Bobolinsky that you just are going to have to bury all of this man when it's revealed that Bobolinsky would go on record with the receipts. All the facts are extremely well documented, and the American people can read the text, listen to the recording that you just played, and read the legal documents Bobolinsky insisted to Carlson. As a result of the disclosures about Biden's family corruption, he has allegedly received death threats, now needing a team of former Navy SEALs to guard his family. I can't go home. I had to do this because the American people need to know the facts, he urged. It's disgusting that the Bidens lied about me and then had their allies smear me as a traitor working for Russia. I'm a former naval officer. I have a patriotic duty to the country to give everyone the facts about what Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and James Biden did. Bobolinsky fired. 
Uh, Carlson emphasized that this company has direct connections to the communist government in China. There is no other reason for me to be in the bar meeting with Joe Biden than to discuss what I was doing with the family name and the Chinese, he said. They were putting their entire family legacy on the line. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were dealing with the Chinese-owned enterprise, he said in a follow-up response, Uh, all hoping that this would be dismissed because of plausible deniability. President Trump invited Bobulinski as a special guest as the final presidential debate last week, and during the televised face-off, Trump directly asked Biden about his role as the big guy named in the scandal. Bobulinski told Carlson that he almost walked out when Biden discussed the topic. Joe Biden, as a public debate reference referencing Russian disinformation, that he knows he sat face-to-face with me, that I traveled around the world with his son and his brother to say that associate that associate with my name is absolutely disgusting to me. In that debate, he made a specific statement around the question that uh, from this president recalled Bobulinski, and I'll be honest with you, I almost stood up and screamed liar and walked out because I was shocked that after four days or five days they, that they had to prep for this, that Biden family is taking the position to the world, well, of course, plausible deniability. Bobulinski came forward early to confirm that the big guy was the alias for Hunter's father, citing an email dated May the 13th, 2017. This is all very disgusting, quite frankly, and uh, it's just, it is absolute proof that uh, through Bobulinski that Joe Biden was in a pay, play to pay, or pay to play scheme with uh, his brother Jim and with Hunter, his son, and with the communist Chinese. Unbelievable. Joe uh, held a rally in Warm Springs, Georgia yesterday, exactly one week until Election Day. The Peach State, which is expected to vote in favor of Trump, has not backed the Democrat uh, candidate since 1992. A few dozen folks showed up. In fact, there are actually empty chairs, space chairs. A poll report said Trump uh, supporters outnumbered Biden supporters two to one per the poll report. Along the route to Warm Springs, President Trump supporters with signs, flags, and cutouts of Trump more than doubled the number of Biden fans. Joe Biden called it a travel lid within an hour after the bombshell interview with Tony Bobulinski. In contrast, of course, President Trump, a COVID survivor, is barnstorming the country, having held three rallies Monday in Pennsylvania and three rallies in Tuesday in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. 29,000 folks showed up in Nebraska. Can you believe that? With more, two more scheduled for Nevada and Arizona today. It's just unbelievable. Uh, with a tight race in battleground states nationwide and Election Day fast approaching, Republicans are banking on vo- voter enthusiasm, a record 150 million voter contacts through knocks on doors and phone calls, and $26 million fundraising surge following Thursday's debate. So all indicators are, are that it's going together and pulling together for President uh, Trump. This is such an important election. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Levy. Bob is the chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. 
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And now building a brand-new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy, as I mentioned before the break. He's, a, he's an author. He's also a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and focused on private property, free markets, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. So critical, those objectives, uh, a libertarian organization, Cato.org. Hope you'll visit the website. So uh, we have the Supreme Court uh, session starting now. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett has now joined the justices as a Supreme Court Associate Justice. Last term, and we talk about the uh, the cases that are going to be reviewed this term. Last term, the court reviewed in, in favor of religious exercise in three cases. Are there cases coming up now in the uh, in this current term? There is. There's a <clears throat> case called Fulton versus City of Philadelphia, which is a challenge to Philadelphia's exclusion of Catholic social services from the city's foster care system uh, because that group will not place children with same-sex couples. Uh, the lower court, the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, ruled that the city was within its rights <clears throat> to end that contract, uh, and they cited a 
case that took place in Oregon where uh, the court ruled that you could restrict the use of peyote in a religious ceremony as long as you restricted it for everybody else, as long as you didn't target religion. <clears throat> so the city's claim is they're not targeting religion mm. by excluding uh, organizations that refuse to accept same-sex uh, couples for uh, foster care. So interesting. Uh, what's your prediction? How's it going to turn out? Well, I think with the new 6-3 conservative majority, I think religious uh, freedom is likely to play a role here, and probably the Catholics are going to have to be included. Yeah. So once again, the court is going to uh, rule on the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare. The Democrats have cited the case as a primary reason to oppose Amy Coney Barrett's uh, elevation to the Supreme Court. Do you think the court will overturn Obamacare? I don't. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to be a lopsided majority in favor of uh, continuing or in favor of the constitutionality of Obamacare. Mm. You recall back in uh, 2018, uh, the mandate to buy insurance was effectively neutered because Congress set the penalty uh, rate, uh, what Chief Justice Roberts called a tax, mm -hmm. to zero. And as a result, a number of Republican attorneys general sued. They argued that Obamacare was no longer constitutional, since the court had said that the reason it was constitutional was the exercise of the taxing power. And since the tax is now zero, it's no longer applicable. And the Trump administration supports that claim. But, you know, even if the taxing power isn't used. Uh, Congress did not repeal anything except for this, the uh, mandate that's plainly indicating that Obamacare, the rest of it, stands on its own without the mandate. Mm. The technical term there is that the two provisions, the Affordable Care Act and the mandate, are severable. They can be separated from one another. Congress did not intend, when they invalidated the mandate, that that would bring an end to the entire statute. If they intended it, they would have done that. Mm -hmm. So I think the court will uh, rule that way, and Obamacare uh, will continue, uh, even though the mandate is effectively no longer. Yeah. Having Michael Cannon on the show tomorrow, he is the uh, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking more about this, but it's, a, quite frankly, obstruction to creating health care uh, coverage for people that, that can be tailor-made. Obamacare is, is a disaster. So the House of Representatives still wants to see certain undisclosed evidence from the Mueller investigation. Can you tell us about this case? Yeah, this is the Justice Department versus the House Judiciary Committee. And the issue is whether the committee can ex access this secret grand jury testimony from uh, Mueller's investigation of the alleged uh, Russian interference in the 2016 elect election. Um, the D.C. Circuit said that the House of Representatives is engaged in the kind of judicial process that usually exempts Congress from the secrecy rules that typically attach to grand jury uh, materials, because grand jury records are court records. Mm -hmm. They're not Justice Department records. Uh, and if the Congress is behaving as a court, historically, these records have been released to Congress in the course of in impeachment investigations. So we'll see. As a new conservative majority, it's a, this one's a toss-up. Yeah. So interesting. So we have some immigration-related cases coming up. The first case involves the census. What are the details here? Uh, this is Trump versus New York, and it's whether undocumented uh, immigrants can be excluded 
in determining congressional representation. Uh, the administration is going to argue that this case is not ripe because uh, nobody's been injured yet because the census hasn't excluded anyone and there's no injury to the state of New York, which is bringing the suit. So it's unclear also how the administration would determine uh, the number of illegals because, as you may recall, last year they ruled that Wilbur Ross, the Secretary of Commerce, didn't justify inclusion of a citizenship question mm. uh, on the census. So this is another one of those tough calls. don't know which way it's going to likely to go, but as a practical matter, it's going to be tough for the administration to exclude um, undocumented immigrants, even if they have permission to do so. What a great point. So there are two more cases involving the immigration policies. Can you summarize the, the uh, two issues? Yeah, briefly, the first one is Wolf versus Innovation Law Laboratory, and that's whether uh, Trump can require tens of thousands of these asylum seekers to remain in Mexico while their claims are being processed. This was an agreement that the U.S. had with the Mexican government. Um, the critics are arguing that this is a violation of uh, due process to force asylum seekers who are, by law, entitled to press their case here in the United States. Uh, whether he can force him to remain in Mexico. The second one is Trump versus uh, Sierra Club, and that's whether he can divert Trump can divert military funds to pay for construction of the border wall. Um, the lower courts granted injunctions in both of these cases, but the Supreme stepped in and said, "No, both of these can go ahead until we, the Supremes, decide uh, the case." So this is uh, coming up. Uh, depending on the results of the election, the court may kick these cases. You know, if, if uh, Trump loses, these may be moot. You know, in so many of these cases that we're talking about, if Congress would just <laughs> pass some reasonable legislation, these issues would be uh, involved precisely. in the Supreme yeah, Court. It's precisely. Just... This is abdication by Congress writ large. Yeah, so voting rights are a big deal this year. Of course, a lot of uh, ballot harvesting and all kinds of uh, issues because of uh, COVID-19 and essentially uh, what I perceive to be this political issue to try and garner more uh, votes uh, and illegal voting, voting uh, you know, a lot of uh, cr uh, perhaps corruption that could be going on. So what, what case will be uh, the court be deciding this year? This is Arizona Republican Party versus the DNC, Democratic National Committee. Mm. And that's whether the restrictions on ballot harvesting are unconstitutional. Uh, Arizona and some other states uh, ban counting ballots that are cast in precincts other than where the voter is assigned. And the state also restricts other people from delivering a voter's early ballot. So the question here is whether there is sufficient documentation of corruption when there is this ballot harvesting to justify the restriction on voting or whether we will allow some people to deliver other people's uh, ballots. Yeah. Again, it's another one of these uh, tough questions that uh, won't be resolved before the election. So this is only has longer-term implications. Oh, really? So uh, there's not going to be a last-minute judgment then about this? I don't think so. It's uh, yeah. highly unlikely. Interesting. So uh, another big topic is judicial appointments, not just federal judges, but state judges as well. Tell us more about that. Yeah, Delaware directs its governor to appoint uh, no more than a majority of state Supreme Court justices from one party. 
and the remainder have to come from the other party. So one problem, of course, is that no third third parties, <laughs> no uh, no independents. There are only the two major parties. So the the the, uh, the court is going to test whether or not that proposition is uh, unconstitutional, in part because it uh, excludes third parties and independents from any seat on the Supreme Court. Although it's fair to say that Delaware Supreme Court. Uh, has been applying that process and is pretty well respected for nonpartisanship uh, across the country. So, you know, it may be a pretty good idea. It's just that it excludes these third parties and independents. So interesting. Bob Levy, again, chairman of the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, always appreciate your informed uh, commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andy Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks 
off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So I wanted to start off the discussion by talking about the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. What are your thoughts? Well, a critical move for America, and I think that's... uh quite obvious as, as far as any constitutionalist is concerned. Well, let me just make an opening comment about Rush Limbaugh. Uh, you know, he's, he's, his days are obviously numbered, unfortunately. I, I, I don't get a chance to listen to him frequently, but when I do, he's, he's, he's still enthusiastic. He's still motivated. And, and he knows that his, his time is running out. But uh, his amazing energy committed to America is fantastic. I, I don't think George W. Bush could have been elected without Rush Limbaugh. And I don't think Trump could have been elected in 2016 without him. So uh, I would be remiss in not making some comment about Rush Limbaugh. And uh, uh, unfortunately, he's not going to be with us for much longer. But he's made a, an incredible contribution to America, Bob. Hmm. I didn't know that he, he was... I, I, I heard that he was uh, rounding second and went, had to go back to second, <laughs> the way he uses the baseball analogy, but I didn't realize that it, uh, his situation is fatal at this point, so that's so sad. He has made an unbelievable contribution, and we listen to him frequently. He's really uh, top-notch in terms of his commentary. So, I mean, well, I mean, I, I hope everything I just said is wrong. I hope the man lives forever, obviously, but <laughs> yeah. everything I've read indicates that uh, – the, the treatment has not uh, turned the, the cancer around, but uh-huh. uh, ne- nevertheless, it, it wasn't to be, be remorseful about uh, about Rush and his life, but uh, to celebrate the contribution that he's made. And that's been, uh, as both of us have just indicated, it's been fantastic. If we get to the Omi, uh, Amy Coney Barrett confirmation, again, a, a, a critical uh, move towards supporting the Constitution. Uh, and I'd like to make a point. Andy, uh, are you there? I think I've lost Andy, so uh, not sure what's going on. But uh, nevertheless, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to perhaps take a break right now, see if I can't get him back on a live line. So let's do that. Uh, We're going to take a break right now, and uh, we'll visit with Andy just after this break, hopefully. All right? Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? 
Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on bobharden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889. That's 598-3889. Or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by, I'm going to suggest that you visit uh, Bee's Diner for breakfast or lunch, located in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Big supporter of St. Matthew's House, but also just serving terrific breakfast or lunch, which is where I'm going to be meeting Andy Joppa one of these uh, mornings here in the near future. Again, Bee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, we're meeting this morning in case you forgot it. Oh, <laughs> I did forget. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, Andy. Thank, thank you. Yeah, so, me too, Bob. Yeah, me man. Too. So uh, let's let's continue our discussion about uh, Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation. Then, uh, any remaining thoughts? Well, the the major thought I have, I was trying to illustrate the difference between uh, conservatives and and uh, the liberal mindset. I personally believe that her. Her personal philosophy is liberal. I, I believe, uh, reading some of her remarks about uh, about race and and so forth, that you know her mindset is liberal. But uh, it doesn't matter. She is a constitutionalist. She will make her decisions based on the demands of the legal document, the founding charter. And so I, I have no concerns about Andy Coney Barrett's personal philosophy because I know who she is as a constitutionalist. So I, I think she'll do an outstanding job and uh, create a six three. Uh, majority, perhaps a 5-4, depending upon Roberts. Uh, but I think that's a very, very critical moment for uh, for those of us that, that respect the Constitution and think that it must must have dominance in American life. Bob. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, people say, you hear the Biden say, well, now we've lost balance. The, the Supreme Court is out of whack. Well, no, it's not. What we want is every justice to take the oath exactly the way Amy Coney Barrett has taken the oath, which basically is saying, I'm setting all of my personal opinions aside. I'm a constitutionalist. I will abide by the text of the Constitution. If every justice would do that, we'd have... Uh, we and we've had some bad decisions in the past, so we need to get those corrected. But uh, stare decisis gets in the way of that. But uh, I I totally agree with you. So I mean, what about this whole court packing intention that uh, has been expressed? Uh, well, by- let me make one further point about the the issue you were just describing. But uh, unfortunately, uh, all too many, including conservatives, describe. Uh, those people who are constitutionalists as as conservative or Republicans know that the court is divided up into the ideological left and the apolitical constitutionalists. Mm-hmm. In other words, it is not political to adhere to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really get markedly upset 
when there's terminology. It's a misnomer right. to describe the, these justices who adhere to the Constitution as being adherents to a political philosophy. So uh, that's just a personal thing that really bothers me. And, and by the way, it should bother a lot of people of when, course. That, when that inappropriate designation is, uh, is created. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you made that point. It's uh, it, absolutely true. So, I mean, uh, now the uh, Democrats are saying, you know, uh, we're going to have to change all this. We're going to have to pack the court. This is the intent. What are your thoughts? Well, with or without the confirmation of, uh, of Barrett, they were going to pack the courts. Uh, I, there's very little doubt. Uh, I've always said if they need to and can, they will. It's a simple, a simple formula. Uh, that brings me, I, I think, uh, to the uh, election, uh, the presidential election in, uh, in, in next Tuesday. Uh, essentially, that presidential election will not only, in my estimation, uh, elect the executive, the president, but will also probably determine the control of the Senate and the ability, ultimately, because of that, uh, for the Democrats to pack the court. Mm-hmm. Now, let, let me just sort of back up on that a little bit. I believe there's a very good chance that we're going to see a 50-50 Senate uh, after this election next Tuesday. Uh, there's a better chance that that is going to be the case than probably any other numerical formula. Uh, that'll make the vice president the deciding vote. So Trump's victory, and I believe he will have a victory uh, next Tuesday, will determine control of the Senate and will be, uh, at least until 2022, a significant, not, not a significant, an absolute barrier to the ability of the left to pack the court. So this presidential election is a key in so many uh, more ways than merely who sits in the Oval Office, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, for for those that may not be aware, the fact that we have nine justices is traditions. It is not in law. That's always it started with, I think, five justices, if I'm not mistaken. It yes. went, went up to nine, and it's been there for well over 100 years. Uh, so they have the ability to do it if, in fact, they could uh, get the votes to do it legislatively. My hope is, in the next term, we could uh, perhaps pass some legislation that puts the number of justices at nine. It would probably require a constitutional amendment to fix that number, uh, but probably there, there should be some attempt to made to do that. I don't think it will succeed because uh, congressional amendments are so difficult to uh, to. Uh, get through and then have uh, ratified by three quarters of the states. But uh, on the other hand, I think that there's a, a strong reason to uh, defend legally the, the nine-member the nine, uh, nine court, uh, and I believe that it will hold at nine until the Democrats gain the presidency, the Senate, and the House. They will need all three to get that done. So as long as any one part of that is not in the mix, then, uh, then I think the, uh, the nine-member uh, court is safe uh, at this point. Yeah, so it brings us to the importance of this election, and this, this election is so important. Uh, as a preliminary, uh, as a step towards talking about this, so did you see the interview of Bob Alinsky last night on Tucker Carlson's show? I watched the whole interview. It was uh, was fascinating. I think uh, Bobulinski is uh, his background and his uh, uh, his prior involvements, including the military. I think make him a a very believable figure. Um, I think if if nothing else, we can see through Bobulinski's uh, statements to Tucker Carlson that Joe Biden lied when he said he had no knowledge of Hunter Biden's. Uh, business dealings and had no involvement with those. I think Bobulinski uh, proved that absolutely. I think certainly there is a high degree of, of, of perhaps illegality in terms of influence peddling. 
the Biden crime family is is not a misnomer. I I think that you almost have a a Don like Joe Biden with his brother Jim, his son Hunter, uh, and I think there's this corruption that goes back perhaps as far as into the Obama administration and the the allowance of uh, of China to assume South China Sea dominance. And uh, so I think there's perhaps examples we could we could bring to bear of actual fulfillments of this influence peddling, but without that. Yeah. We can see that was the intent. The money flowed, huge amounts of money flowed from the Chinese government into this uh, organization, corporation, uh, head, headed at that point, the CEO being Bobolinsky, and certainly it was uh, dedicated to using the name Biden to gain influence uh, in, this, in this whole situation uh, for, for, uh, for funds, influence peddling at its, at its highest order. Button. Absolutely. And uh, I think uh, Tucker Carlson got it out. I think they started to get some traction, even though uh, mainstream media and uh, social media is suppressing the story as much as they possibly can. But all the evidence to me, getting back to your initial point, is that uh, I'm seeing the enthusiasm of Trump supporters I'm seeing the lack of enthusiasm for Biden and uh, his campaign. Uh, what I believe, uh, I think he's going to surge, quite frankly. I think uh, President Trump is going to win uh, in a major, major victory. I think it's going to be a landslide. I absolutely believe that. I felt the same thing, as I mentioned last week in 2016. I feel that even more emphatically in, mm-hmm. in 2020. Uh, Arona McDaniel, the uh, GOP chairwoman, puts, put together some statistics which are interesting in terms of the rallies. Uh, for example, in Ohio, they had almost 19,000 uh, sign-ups for Trump. Of those 19,000, 42% were not Republican. 30% did not vote in 2016 in New Hampshire with almost uh, with about 13,000 sign-ups. 44% were not Republican, and 20% did not vote in 2016. And, and just one more for emphasis, in Pennsylvania, 13,000 signups, 24% not Republican, 22% did not vote in 2016. So what I think McDonald's, McDaniel's numbers are showing is that there is a cross-party um, uh, uh, process going on in support of the president, plus he is bringing out a uh, a whole a whole group of formerly reluctant voters. So uh, I'm very optimistic about the presidential election uh, coming up next week. And as I indicated before about that presidential election and that win, will ensure the control of the Senate, in my estimation, and block the the court backing scenes and schemes and all the other nefarious schemes uh, of the left's intent. So yeah, I, um, I, I, at this moment, I am I am very optimistic about next Tuesday. I am as well, and uh, for all the reasons that you pointed out. Now, one question, of course, is what's going to happen with the House? I can't help but believe that because of the president's popularity that his, his uh, coattails are going to bring along some Republic or some uh, conservative or Republican candidates' uh, victories in the House. Well, I mean, I, it, would take, it would take a lot of doing, but since every seat is on the line every two years, that yep. certainly that possibility exists. If the numbers I cited before are accurate, I think they must reflect themselves in a coattail process for the, uh, for the House uh, candidates. So uh, I'm at least marginally optimistic about that. If we could possibly get uh, a House majority, uh, maintain a Senate majority through the vice president and the presidency, I think it, that would give us a two-year window mm-hmm. uh, to firm up many things that may uh, prevent 
present barriers to the left beyond the 22 2022 midterm elections, Bob. Well, the other thing, would it would dampen the ability to hold, for example, uh, uh, trials for the president in terms of impeachment. It would uh, dampen Nancy Pelosi's uh, resistance to, for example, the stimulus plan, which is right now, it's that's splashing on the markets. Financial markets are not liking what's happening right now. And because of her disdain for the president, her hatred for the president, she is refusing to do what's best for the American people. It's so sad right now. This is a tremendous injustice. And the only way we can get this turned around is by uh, the popular vote, or not the popular vote, excuse me, but uh, getting the right people in office. Well, I think that's that's going to be a key. Again, I'm not certainly optimistic about the House flipping to uh, uh, to the Republican Party. Um, so I, I think what we're going to see is uh, pretty much a maintenance of the status quo for all all political purposes. The uh, presidency will be Republican, the Senate Republican, and the House uh, House Democrat. I, I believe certainly with the House uh, staying in Democrat control, we're going to see an impeachment process that'll probably be fulfilled in some uh, some way in 2021. Uh, that conviction will not be upheld in the Senate. Uh, but I think we're going to see a, a strong uh, continuation of exactly what we've seen uh, in the last four years um, in terms of the suggestions for the chaos that, that will result uh, post-November 3rd. I, I think there's no reason to believe that this will not happen. The Democrats and the Democrat uh, agents have certainly announced that this is going to happen, so there's no reason to doubt their word. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm not looking forward to the uh, to the post-Trump victory uh, in, in uh, next next week. Uh, it's going to throw us into significant chaos, and uh, thank goodness Trump is has the strength of character to uh, to go through this uh, for America. And I'm just. I'm just amazed at this man's resilience, Bob. It is. Uh, and we haven't even talked about his international accomplishments and what he's contributed to peace around the world in the Middle East, now nominated for four Nobel Peace Prizes uh, for <laughs> the great things. And now Sudan has come aboard with regard to creating normal relations with Israel. We're talking about the, the developing peace in, in uh, Armenia and I think it's Azerbaijan, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, just I, I think you know his impact on what's happening on international affairs. We haven't even mentioned that is so strong. It, it's amazing when any rational person considers that this presidential election uh, next week will be we be between one of the most significantly accomplished presidents in the first term in office in the history of America, as compared to a man who spent 47 years in various political office of the Senate and vice presidency, and, and essentially has accomplished nothing and been wrong about everything with a significant hint of, of corruption, if not an absolute proof of corruption. Uh, to see that this is, uh, I'm sure President Trump is just in his mind amazed that there'd even be a, a, a chance that he might lose to Joe Biden. Absolutely. Well, Andy, this has been a great discussion. I genuinely appreciate your contribution to the show, and I really look forward to meeting you at Lulubee's Diner at 9.15 this morning. And thank you so much for joining us. See you then, Bob. Look Bye -bye. forward to it. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston at Space Architecture. He's also the author of several books. His latest is How Everything Happened, Including Us. We're going to be talking about his latest column about Biden on shaky ground making character an issue. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show 
here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board. Uh, one of the policies uh, as programs is to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And that's just one of the uh, things that they're working with. I hope you'll visit the website, thefga.org. Well, I called Professor Bell and his automatic answer uh, came on, so I wasn't able to get him on the phone. We have a lot to talk about, though. I would like to reference the fact that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Saturday praised President Donald Trump for securing three peace deals in six weeks between Arab countries and Israel and expressed his hope that under the next U.S. administration, more agreements will follow. Here's a quote from uh, Netanyahu. The clear fact of the matter is that for 25 years, we didn't have a normalization agreement, and under Trump's leadership, we have three deals in six weeks, he said. According to Israeli Prime Minister, the Palestinians will only give up those demands once they see that the whole Arab world is making peace with Israel. That is to say, it's not a uh, breakthrough with the Palestinians that will bring peace with the Arab world. The opposite is true. Peace with the Arab world will bring peace with the Palestinians. So I just wanted to underscore how important what is happening in the Middle East is uh, happening right now. It's always been the objective to get the Palestinians to agree to a peace deal. Well, President Trump has taken an opposite strategy. He's taken all the other countries in the Middle East, working with normalization with Israel, and that's creating more and more pressure on the Palestinians, which is a good thing. I'm just uh, really pleased uh, what the president has accomplished. And again, he's been nominated for four, count them, four Nobel Peace Prizes. Probably will get none. You may recall that President Barack Obama got a Nobel Peace Prize just this first month or two in office, and he didn't do a thing. It's unbelievable how left the world has become. Well, I, I, I found this op-ed by Lawrence Sellen, Ph.D., which I believe gets to the crux of this election. And over many decades, the United States has become an oligarchy, a government which a small group exercises control, especially for corrupt and selfish purposes. An oligarchy is uh, primarily composed of the Democrat Party, the media, academia, the permanent federal bureaucracy, and the multinational interests that provide its financial support. Republicans like Mitt Romney are also members of the oligarchy, as well as the greedy political operatives who profit from candidates like him and, of course, Joe Biden. Such Republicans falsely claim to be putting country over party, 
but are actually putting oligarchy over democracy. They do so because of their private dislike for President Donald Trump or simply because of their own power and profit, probably both. The damage Democrats and the anti-Trump Republicans claim he's done have not been in the country, but also in the power of the oligarchy and its growing attempts to control and exploit the American people for personal gain. The oligarchy rejects democracy, preferring authoritarianism, or increasingly in the Democrat Party, to totalitarianism of big tech, Antifa, and Black Lives Matter. Like Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden is the candidate of the oligarchy. In September 6, 2016, an article in The Hill entitled, Why Donald Trump Appeals to Ordinary Americans, Sullen wrote, The election is not simply a contest between the Democrat and the Republican ideologies, but a battle between the entrenched power of the bipartisan political establishment versus the freedom and well-being of the American people. Let that sink in for a moment. The election is not simply a contest between the Democrat and Republican ideologies, but a battle between the entrenched power of the bipartisan political establishment versus the freedom and well-being of the American people. I think that's so true. Compared to four years ago, the threat to individual freedom, the Constitution, and the rule of law emanating from the oligarchy is both greater and imminent, said Sellin in 2016. The federal government and the media are as institutions hopelessly corrupt, and although we have elections, we no longer have representative government, he said. Yet even the most cynical among us could not have imagined the politically motivated elements within the federal government would use its immense law enforcement power in a coordinated attack with the media to destroy the lives of innocent citizens and patriots like General Michael Flynn and organize what amounted to a coup d'etat against a sitting president. As stated in 2016, most of the social chaos and the extremism we currently witness is in our Democrats-run cities and the product is a product of well-funded and well-organized anti-American radical leftist agenda. In its direct consequence of the educational and media political indoctrination coupled with the divisive rhetoric and destructive policies of the Democrat Party, in the face of the present turmoil, many of the Republican Party have chosen to stand idly aside, unwilling to defend the rights, liberties, and well-being of American citizens. These anti-Trump Republicans have chosen to no longer represent Americans who had once been their constituency, but instead have adopted the identity of the, and being junior parties partners in the ruling class. That's exactly what's happening right now. This is the president who's fighting against this and, and the ruling class. It's a fundamental principle of democracy that the efficiency and effectiveness of government are directly dependent upon the trustworthiness of government officials as representatives and executors of the views and desires of the people. Americans now believe that we are not citizens of a republic, but subjects of an elected aristocracy composed of self-absorbed permanent political class, which serves the interests of international financiers at the expense of American people. The oligarchy maintains authority by the ever-expanding and increasingly intrusive government and uses a compliant media to manipulate public opinion in order to sustain the illusion of democracy. Three years before the start of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln said, a government cannot endure permanently, half slave and half free, that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Likewise, a government separated from the people cannot stand. There remains a winning coalition in America, one which Donald Trump represents, 
one inclusive of all Americans and one uh, for all those who believe it. It's a simple proposition. Honest, representative government and effective government, that's what legions of Trump followers enthusiastically show up to support him. He truly is working to return government to the people. That is why, I, I this is Lawrence Sillen now, he's a retired from the International Career in Business and Medical Research with 29 years of service in the U.S. Army Reserve, a veteran of Afghanistan and Iraq. So this, these are his words, and I firmly and definitely agree with him. Right now, what we have is a, a race, uh, a presidential contest not between Biden and Trump, but it's between the aristocracy, the power elite, uh, and uh, the president of the United States trying to return America back to the people. That's why you see such enthusiasm for Trump. That's why uh, yesterday there was a, a rally, I think it was 11 miles long, th thousands of cars rallying for President Trump. He wasn't even there. He shows up in an apple orchard in Maine on short notice and thousands of people show up. Biden, on the other hand, comes down. He talks to about well, a couple dozen people, some empty chairs there, and he gets angry. He's, uh, his, his, uh, his presentation becomes more and more angry as when he delivers it, and it makes uh, comments that are just absurd. So right now, this is a turning point uh, in the in the U.S., and I believe that people will support the pre the election of President Trump. It would be a wonderful thing, in my opinion, if in fact they're on his coattails, that we would see more and more uh, Republicans voted into the House of Representatives, so that we could uh, squash the vote of Nancy Pelosi, get more cooperation, and get the government uh, and the get the economy and the United States going in the right direction. Just my thoughts. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Always appreciate our conversations around public education in Florida. So much improvement is done with a lot of the support from the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon. He is the director of uh, health studies at the Cato Institute, as I referenced earlier in the show. We'll talk about the overturn of Obamacare and perhaps the implementation of health care uh, and insurance here in the United States that can lower costs and make it even better and more accessible. We'll also visit with Seat Motley, the co-founder. I'm sorry, he's the founder and president of Less Government, and Bill Barnett will be with us as well. Bill, of course, is the former mayor of Naples, and we'll get his commentary on what's happening here locally. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.